0: Everyone in here is entering into a process. Um, who else here with Pastor Mike? Is that how y'all kind of got here? Like through Pastor Mike. Pastor Mike and his wife are entering into a season, um, of the process. See, when God brings you, am I on? When God brings me, brings a person to a stature in the spirit realm, he has to release them to another place to grow. Because of his hunger and his thirst for God, he's not going to keep Pastor Mike in a place where he can't grow. I'm not saying that's what it was, but like you couldn't grow there. But God is showing you that there's more great things. So when you guys got connected, there was a hunger and thirst in your life. So you could grow. And there are mantles um, in the spirit realm um, that a man has. You can have it through bloodline. I um, mean, you can have it through spiritual pursuit of God, and you can have it through transference of, uh, like, the laying on the pants. Um, so Pastor Mike has mantles to give to you. Who, well, I think it was you I prayed for. There's a, it was a woman um, that the moment I put my hands on her, I saw her actually doing what I was doing. So there's a mantle that she has maybe to, I don't know if it's for, um, healing or for impartation, whatever she receives, or just for God to do wild things. Everybody has that. I'm just meaning, like, God to show you in time or he'll show you through your process. Um, But you must be willing to submit to the process. One thing I learned a long time, maybe, actually, I learned it when I came here, but I would always abort the process. Like in school, I knew I could get by. I could pay somebody to do my homework, or I could convince somebody to do my homework, and I would graduate. That's what happened to me in college. I, I paid people to do my papers constantly, and I skimmed out of there with like a two point six GPA, two point three something like that. And you know, the, the saying in the world is C's get degrees," right? Um, that's what happened, but it profited me nothing. Luckily, I went into uh, I did ROTC. And even in ROTC, I would abort the process. I you know, didn't want to exercise. I didn't want to do certain things. And I always try to find my way around things. But God is not allowing us to do that anymore. The moment I came here, the very one of the first things he said wasn't the very first was, you can't abort this process. You can't. There's a growth that has to happen by the Spirit of God. And God's going to show you he's God because it's going to be things that you didn't know you could do. It's going to be things you never saw yourself doing. Although I love to speak to people, I'm never really up like this. You know like I love engaging, I-, I love doing speakings and stuff like this, but I never imagined me doing anything like this. It was really by God. And in the magnitude and in, in the yeah. quickness or in the acceleration of it happening, it was beyond myself for sure. It was definitely God. But the but the process is for a purpose. We don't understand that when we Experience pain, suffering, the torment of the world, and um, the connection with it is for God's glory. For the Lord said, "This current suffering, cut suffering, does not compare or cannot compare to the glory that shall be revealed in you." And some say that are, that's going to be revealed on you. Um, so every time we go through a issue or uh, a traumatic event in our life, there's glory behind it. The real question is, what are we focusing on? What are we really putting our attention to? So if I put my attention to the pain, I'm manifesting more pain. But if I'm putting my attention towards God, I'm manifesting more of God. And the thing is, in all things, you can see God because he said, I am all and I'm in all. So if we can understand that, we can just know that God is with us in the midst of all things even the things that we bring upon ourselves. Because there are tests and trials that we bring upon ourselves through our words, through actions, through thoughts. And God never intended it, but he says, I work all things together for the good. So we have to know and understand that because in this process, a lot of times we get fixated and focused on ourself. So if we're fixated and focused on ourselves, There is a fleshly, like, magnifying glass dictating our thoughts, our actions, our words. So if our thought is on us and our thoughts are being dictated by the flesh, we're setting ourselves up for destruction. Anytime you're examining yourself, God said, he did say examine yourself. But every time you examine yourself from a place of judgment, you have stepped into the realm of the flesh. Because God created us to live off the tree of life and not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So if I'm looking at myself and I say, oh, man, I didn't pray for that person. I'm bad. What have I stepped into? The flesh and in judgment. But that's why you have to know the voice of God so well. Because some people in some seasons aren't meant to pray for everybody. I'm going to say that especially in a in a, a ministry like this, some of us have moved in gifts and callings in God. But when God wants you, he wants you. We know how it feels to pray for We know the power when God comes upon you and he wants to use you. And it's one of the things, it's a good feeling, right? Just like intimacy in a marriage. It's a good feeling, but God intended it for a purpose. So when it moves out of that purpose, it becomes indulgence of the flesh because I like what I feel. But we must know that in this process, this transition, this movement with God, there'd be things God requires us to do and things God require require us not to do. There was a season where I know I wasn't supposed to pray for anybody. Just as simple as that. You know, you you can have the compassion of God, but if you're not willing to yield to the voice, He won't use you. He'll use you, but don't you want to be used by the full measure of God? God doesn't bless disobedience, I'll say that. He blesses obedience. So in that obedience, you can see the fullness of God in operation because that's what Christ did. He would hear from the father. And he would act or he would say what the father told him to do or move. And then we saw the fullness, even if it didn't make sense, spitting in the ground and creating mud and putting it on people's eyes. Yeah. Don't make any sense. In in our in our mind. But the thing is, God had he had Jesus had control over all things. You know, he might have saw dirt, the the apostles or the disciples might have saw dirt, but God could have saw or Jesus could have saw anything in the ground that was the element of healing for the people. And even his belief was already to another level. So I was going to teach off the chart, but y'all know about these visions, right? Gene told you guys and everybody knows about the visions that Gene got um, in a ministry like this. See, everybody has a ministry. Everybody has a call of God and and some are of great magnitude. I'm not talking about scope of power, but I'm talking about the the magnitude, the size of it. There's no greater ministry than another. God looks at all the same, but some may have a specific purpose for a specific reason to uh, do a specific thing in the earth. And those magnitudes can be great and there's some can be small, but they each have their power to it. That is great and magnificent. Um, So. Like. In my life, personally, I know that God has uh, called me to like evangelize and do great exploits for God on an international level, right? Um, when you come into a place or when we come into a place of God that is requiring all of us and none of us, we have to be willing to surrender everything that God has given us. So when we come in here, a lot of times me and my wife will teach on this these visions. I didn't get them from God. They're not my visions personally, but in my vision as a part of this body. And the Lord told me this. He says, if you're not willing to serve another man's mission or vision, how can I give you your own? How can I allow yours to be manifested? How can I, you know, because I'm telling you, you'll get into a place and you'll be wanting people to serve you, but you never served. You know? Um, So it's like this. We must be willing to give another man's message. We must be willing to speak another man's message. How many know that you can go into prayer and worship and you can hear from God? And God can tell you to say something, right? But then you have to submit to, like, whoever you're falling in authority to. It's something so humbly. It's something that's so honorable, like humbling yourself to what God is asking you to humble yourself to. And you'll see great things that transpire in that process um, I'm very happy to see my brothers and sisters. Me and Pastor Mike hugged one time after service, maybe five minutes, and it was like my spirit was going off like fireworks. And the only thing I could hear the Lord brought me another big brother, and that's all he's been to me. Checks on me out the blue, he's a good pastor, <laughs> and he's always, you know, I know he's always praying for me, but just the love. And that's what I have for you all. It's like we haven't skipped a beat. It's like we all grew up in the same family, but we all went our own separate ways, but now we're back together. Yeah. It's like a family reunion, but a good family reunion, you know, without the drunk uncle, you know, without, without the crazy, without the craziness. So this, this is the one scripture, the Lord gave me this this morning. I'm only going to speak on this um, because I don't want to keep you guys too long. Can you give me Galatians 1? 15 through 16. This is the first way. Well, I'm not safe, this is one way you can add pain to your process. And this is what I did. I'm only going to, you know, speak through my experience. It says, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer flesh and blood. How many of you have had that Dean God just spoke to me God spoke to me as some serious revelation I can't wait to tell everybody <laughs> this is Paul Paul had Paul had an experience with Christ or he had a revelation of Christ and um God had him going here and God had him going here but he said the first thing he didn't do was confer with man the very first thing I was in here maybe a month I wasn't married at the time I thought I was getting married um but that was completely different from what God had planned for me. But the Lord spoke over me that I'd be ordained in 2015. i only been coming to this ministry for maybe two, maybe a month. And uh, it was it was during a glory night. And the Lord spoke that I'd be ordained in 2015. This was 2013. This is a person who hasn't spent any quality time with God since he was in high school. So when he said that, you know, yeah, I'm excited. Like, yeah, God loves me. You know, like, he has a call for me. And I kind of already had that kind of brewing in my heart to do something Like that for the Lord. I didn't know what even ordination meant. I just knew I wanted to serve God. And uh, the first thing I did when I got in the car, I called my mom and dad and said, the Lord said, I'm going to be ordained in 2015. Oh, Lord Jesus. Literally all hell broke loose in my life. The moment we speak from the spirit of God into the atmosphere of this world, you are inviting darkness or trials or temptations into your circumstance or into your situation. There are some times where we just need to be quiet and confer with the Spirit of God. Yeah. I am telling you. She, she experienced it. Boy, I tell you, I was telling everybody. I, <laughs> I already got a big mouth, but it's like, it, it was some, you know when you're proud of something? Yeah. Oh, the Lord spoke to me directly. Yeah. He was so specific. I started telling all my friends, your boy got cooked up. The, whole, the rest of that year and all of 2014, I was in the process. Yeah. The Lord has to, the word says, the word is, Powerful and sharpening the two-edged sword, piercing division between the soul and the spirit. So that means that before we come to Christ, they're one. That means your soul is overlapping, like you'll see over there. Your spirit, your spirit doesn't have reign. It can be an op- it can operate at times because you yield to it, but your soul is kind of doing all the thinking and all the commanding. So if it's split in between, that means there's a separation. And in that separation, something has to take dominion, right? So if there's something that at one time had dominion, this is in the process, but no longer has power and is sitting at an equal level with something that has complete dominion, how do you exercise that? How do you allow the Spirit of God to take full dominion over over the soul? In the process, right? Yes, it's through meditation. See, we've gotten reading mixed up with meditation. He'll send send us home and say, all right, y'all make sure y'all meditate on y'all word, and we go home and read the word. Whereas meditation is a murmur, it's a repeating, it's a constant thought, it's a pondering, it's a, uh, a speaking out loud of the word that God has revealed to you. Whereas we can go home and read, and you can read from Corinthians to Galatians in the night. You'll feed your spirit, but God may not have revealed himself to you. We must... Strive and reach towards the Rima word, the revealed word of God, so that in the process, the revealed word latches on with the spirit that God already put in you, which was already written on your heart when you received Christ. That's what the word says. But then it starts to come and overshadow the soul the way you used to think. So, the only way we should think is the spirit of God. We should only think like God. So, if our soul and our spirit are at odds, and I start meditating on the word, I start to overshadow the unrenewed portions of my mind. And to test that you receive the word of God in the process, you have a test or you have a trial that comes upon you. And God wants to know if you really receive that word with faith. Will you really hold on to that word? Because the thing is, if you have the word in you, the moment a trial comes, which is a thought, the word of God should stand up. It should mount guard. It should be a standard. That's how you know. Because that's when the child is but a breath. And then you can start going through a process within a process, which is the uh, advancing the kingdom from within. And when we can advance the kingdom of God within, we can see see us really moving power and authority on the earth. Because what's in here is so far greater than what's on the outside. Regardless of where you are on the chart. Except, you know, this lost man. But what I think about the lost man is, is it's so funny because... All these little things are circling him, but God is still greater than that. And then you come here, and you have, a, you have a little man that has all this power that's waiting to be unleashed. And you know, the more you exercise time with God, the bigger he gets. It's just like I was talking to Carl in the car. I got this awesome revelation from Gene. He said, uh, we're talking about the youth. He said, Chris, the more you exercise your anointing, the bigger you get in the spirit. Simple but Powerful. Does everybody know what their anointing is? You see what I'm saying? Anointing is power to do a work. And that work is to crucify the flesh for what God has called you to crucify. Like for me, I know I'm called to the youth. So I'll see things in the youth and the Lord will give me a teaching on it. And the anointing will flow out of that teaching. It's not to beat the children up or beat the youth up, but to speak in in a way of manner to where the anointing flows through love and they never know they got cut. We've experienced that, that, you know what I'm saying? So know what your anointing is. You, in, in in order to know what your anointing is, you have to spend time with God. In order to know what your call is, that should be one of the top things that we do when we seek God. What are, you, what are you calling me to do, Lord? What is this that you're calling me to do? In life, we don't want to walk aimlessly. And if we do that, we're not as off, but it's, the word says it's better that you didn't know the truth. Than to have known the truth, than to have known the truth and, and felt. If you know the truth, the truth is in you. If you're not exercising the truth, you're in rebellion and you're in deception. So we all should strive and we shall all push towards this process. So it says, when it pleased God, so it only, when God reveals Jesus Christ to you, it's because it was pleasing to him. <laughs> That's the only way I think about it. It's like, it's nothing I could have done. It was my appointed time, but I'm gonna take great pleasure in this. And when you when you come to Christ, and then you're walking out your walk with God, plus every time you spend time with God, the moment He's revealing Him, Son, he, reveal, revealing Jesus to Him to you guys or to us, it's pleasing to Him, and He wants to do it more. Doesn't every time you you feel something that's pleasurable, you want to keep doing it, right? Think about how more. So the more time you spend, the more God is gonna to want to do with you, Um, to reveal His Son in me. That I might preach him among the Gentiles. That's what we're here for. Y'all know what the Gentiles are. That's, you know, the unbeliever. Those are those who have chosen not to believe. Um, But that's all I want to talk about because where you're going, think about the type of heat this couple could have taken or may have taken. I don't know. For forsaking all and moving. And if they would have conferred with flesh and blood, Everything could have been aborted. And the Lord told me this. Uh, we were doing a youth night when we were the youth were praying, and it said it took one man to lay down his life for me and then look at the fruit. That's the same thing in our life. If we're willing to lay down our life, the fruit is going to be so massive. We all have family members that need to be saved. We all have uh, work people or friends that need to know Jesus. But we lay down our life in love. We don't lay down our life in, you know, Bible thumping. Saying how holy I am or, you know, I know you guys don't do that, but what people perceive is what their truth is. So for a man to lay down his life, for a woman to lay down his life, for a man, for a woman, for a woman, excuse me. It's going to have so much more fruit than what you could imagine. Gene, 20 years ago, 20 plus years ago, laid down his life. And now there's a generation after his generation that's coming forth. And now even after that, there's a generation coming after our generation that's coming forth. God has no respect of persons. He wants to do great things to everybody. There's a generation within your bosom and in your family lineage that's supposed, to, that's supposed to come forth. And if you walk through this door, you're a patriarch. That's the way I call it. You want to set the trail. But you have to be willing to go through the process. You cannot go over the wall anymore. You have to go through the door, the doorway of change, and experience God, not the way religion or churches told you. But to experience God the way he's told you to experience him. The way he has told you to experience him. There are many ways God reveals himself to us. But I'll tell you this. I think he definitely starts in his word. And if we're not spending time in the word, we are in deception. That's what James say. Okay, so um, any questions? (laughs) I don't know. I think we're going to go. I think it's about 8 o'clock. Um, I have two kids and have a visitor. Um, one is 17 and then one is six um, but I want to bless you guys because the hunger for you guys to come and receive. there's a humility in this group that I that came on me when you guys came to the front that was so powerful there was like a, a willingness to kneel before the Lord I um, not even looking at the man that is speaking. And there's so much power and humility that God says that he exalts the humble. Exaltation is a being put into a place of power and authority to reign and to rule with Christ. It says humble yourself. I was sharing this with Pastor Michael maybe two or three weeks ago. It says humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. That means that you can actually humble thyself. Yeah. To humble means to make yourself lower. And that means that you must recognize what authority is to actually make yourself lower. So if you're humbling yourself, you must actually remove yourself from a place of knowledge and become like ignorant in the sense that humble. Yeah. Um, It says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Now, this is what kind of blew me away. The word mighty means powerful. And the word hands mean power. Humble yourself under the powerful power of God. I don't what what is that called in literature or or English? Is that called a, a double positive or what is what is that called? It's called something where you where you express yourself twice in the same sentence with the same words, but humble thyself, make yourself lower as if you know nothing under the powerful power of God. And y'all know that Jesus is the power of heaven, power and authority of heaven. So humble yourself under Jesus Christ under the fivefold. You can say it any way you want to say it, whatever Jesus established himself as on the earth. Humble yourself under the powerful power of God. That in your kairos, y'all know the difference between kairos and, um, was it Chronos, cardia? Kronos. Cardia, that's I think that's your soul. Yeah, we did. <laughs> Humble yourself in due time, which is a season, which is what we're all in. We're about to enter into that blessed season. Humble yourself under the powerful power of God that in due time, that in your due season, that in your kairos, your appointed season, he may exalt you. If you really just meditate on that. And we don't humble ourselves out of pride because we know we're going to be exalted. We humble ourselves because we know we don't compare to the holiness of God. We don't compare to the sovereignty of God. If we even try to think as God thinks, he said, let the, the was it, the wisdom of man, be, you know, he makes it foolish. If I think I can know the things of God without the spirit of God, I've already lost. Meaning I'm already in deception, I'm jacked up, and I'll never figure it out until I really humble myself. We should always approach God as if we know nothing. When you go seriously, like, God, what do you want me to do today? I know I got a job, but what do you want me to do? You know? So humble yourself. Make yourself to such a low place that you know nothing under the powerful power, his majesty, his glory, his significance, his omnipotence, his everything that you can say about how great, you know, he's, he's called, uh. All these names of God has hit me. It's called, uh, he's called Ancient David. There's another one that hit me, man. That was so cool. Um, it'll come to me. But it's an awesome name because it talks about how great God is. It's a sovereignty of God. And if we can understand that, it's, it's nothing to humble ourselves. to how great he is. Some of us think, or some have thought that we were great at some time, but just think about the magnitude of, of God. Literally, if you just thought naturally about how big God has to be to create something like this, oh, my Lord, it'll, it'll really make you humble. I'm in with this. This has been in me for two weeks now. I went to go visit my brother in, in Arizona. Who always been on a plane? And as you're ascending into the clouds, um, I've been on many planes in my life, so I don't really look out. Um, you go to a very high place. You hit an altitude. I think it's like 10,000 feet sometimes. It's extremely high. Um, but on the way back down, um, I didn't have headphones. So I couldn't listen to music or watch a movie. So I just opened up the, the shade and I'm looking at the earth from a heavenly perspective, if I can say that. Um, and as I'm watching us descend, if you come over a town, like if you look at a map, it's like a little square. It's really small. It didn't make sense to me. Like, how can something so great be so small when you're not when you're not um, that height? But it's perspective. So we're coming down, and I'm watching things get bigger, but they're still small. And then you you know you can look at a, a department store and you can see a parking lot. That's how you know it's a department store. And and the Lord put in my heart and in my spirit that the moment we allow ourselves to get into a As in, won't we allow ourselves to be in a situation or circumstance on the earth or in the flesh? It's going to be ginormous to us. But as we ascend with God and look from his perspective, those things that are large really are small. Like, you know, think about Lowe's, seriously. If you go up high in the sky and you look down on Lowe's, Lowe's looks like a a Tonker toy. (laughs) But if you walk in Lowe's, You walk in your situation. I don't know where to go. It's so big. It's such a big place. But I was already at a place of height with God that these things had seemed small. So when he was speaking to me, he's saying, I've allowed myself, and he's speaking to me, you allowed yourself to be in your circumstance too long, that you can't even realize that you're already up here, but you're living down here, literally in the building of a small place or in the circumstances of something that's not even great. Just even with the magnitude of who Christ and Jesus and God is, about how great they are. I'm just talking, like, stature-wise. Literally, like, like, he can flick the earth. You you know what I'm saying? Like, if we even looked at it that way, but we're talking about, you know, the power and sovereignty, y'all. The the spiritual point behind it is that he has all power, all dominion. There's greatness in God. But it's, it's like, there's fallacy in our mind to believe that when we're in a situation, God can't bring us out. And God can say, I can just make that as if it never existed. But we have to go up here to even see it from his perspective. That's why worship is so important. I'm telling you, you can ascend through association. You know how we all come together and we worship? And then you can feel like your spirit going up. And you can even ascend in, in, in prayer to a point because you're honoring God. Anything that is always God, he's going to want to bring you to where he is or he's going to want to come to where you are. But when you worship and your mind is solely focused on the Lord and on the Father, you are literally, it's like you've been transferred. To a place in the spirit. I was worshiping this morning, and Tori was getting ready to go to work, and she's in my face. I had just started worshiping, doing stuff like this. You know, you can see this with your eyes closed, right? She—I don't know how long you did it for. Maybe not long, but she had to. She had to flip my lip, like to get me to, to recognize she was doing. She said, "Man, I was doing this, and you didn't recognize. It's like I had already left." And I went to a place with God to oversee the things that God wanted me to see in that day. So if we just think about it like this, if we go up with God, what we'll, we're, we're called to be anyway, so we're seeing in heavenly places with Christ, right? That, and that's a privilege. That's not by anything that we worked. If we can go up there and stay up there with him, everything in our life, whether it be debt, um, gluttony, um, anger, unforgiveness, all these different things, God is going to make it look like that's nothing. And think about how much confidence you have when you You know something about something. You know, it's like this is nothing. God, you can really do this, but you have to be up here. You have to stay up here. This is where we should be living. This is the normality. This is the normality. This is the usual. We should get to the place where being on earth is the unusual. Okay. All right. Um, I think that's time. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for your. Your love, I thank you for your presence. I thank you that you came and dwelt with us today, God, for you are with us and you are in us. And I thank you that you have called me and chosen me to minister to your people and that it is a privilege to speak forth your great works and the love you have for us. I thank you that tonight you have blessed those who have hungered and thirst for righteousness and that they shall be filled and that you will wake them up. Early in the morning time, early in the morning hour, and just allow them to be filled and just have an excitement to pursue their father, their daddy. And I thank you that knowing that they'll get up in the morning, I thank you that they're going to have the best attitude all day tomorrow, God, and that they won't be tired or weary. And I thank you that you're revealing your son, Jesus Christ, and yourself, which is eternal life to them. So we love you today, God. We love you every day, and we bless you. We give you all honor and all glory in Jesus' name. Amen.